On today's episode, we look at the Seahawks-Vikings game, what happened there. We talk about the NBA Finals and where does LeBron rank in the all-time list and what does this championship mean to him. We talk about baseball over the last week, the Yankees lost, and it might be a Rays-Braves World Series. And we also look ahead to week six of the NFL and we preview that, give our fancy features and locks of the week. This man was a bona fide scrub. And we are back on the Bonafide Scrubs podcast. Will Swanky, Noah Levine. A lot has changed since the last episode we did just a week ago. The Yankees, my Yankees, got knocked out of the playoffs by the Tampa Bay Rays. My Vikings fell to Noah's Seahawks on Sunday Night Football in a dramatic ending to that game. We'll get into both of those things a little bit later. And uh, not to mention that LeBron James won his fourth NBA title, which is what we're going to lead the show with today we thought it was going to be over on friday we sort of spoke on the show like the lakers were going to close it out in game five but that was not the case jimmy butler came back and put up you know uh, an, an excellent performance along with the rest of the heat to extend the series but it was only a matter of time before lebron and the lakers closed it out and it was a six game series a little bit more competitive than some people thought it would be but there you go. The Lakers are the 2020 NBA champions. It took a long time to figure out, but it ended up being something that a lot of people expected from the start. And uh, LeBron, he gets ever so close to uh, you know, eclipsing MJ for six titles. He's just two away. And uh, by the way, he's talking right now. It doesn't seem like he wants to slow down. No, and I, I think we were some of the people that doubted LeBron this season. We thought the Clippers were the best team, but... Clippers choked. They blew a 3-1 lead to Denver. And LeBron, I mean, yeah, you always kept saying Giannis was the best player. And like Giannis this, Giannis that. He won MVP. But I think we're idiots for just forgetting about playoff LeBron. LeBron doesn't try in the regular season. And he, he, had, he averaged 28, 12, 29 actually, 29-12 and 8.5 assists. His fourth finals MVP. And his third, his third different team he won a championship with. So... Yeah, LeBron's cementing himself closer to Michael Jordan, but I still don't believe he is close enough to catch MJ. Yeah, we could have that conversation uh, in a minute, but I mean, I guess we we do have to we have to give him props. I mean, look, we are not the biggest LeBron fans, and we definitely make it clear on, on the show. I know I've been talking a lot about Giannis, as you mentioned, but you know, LeBron he did win the championship, and it is worth congratulating them, and they are the 2020 NBA champions. So. They ended up proving all the doubters wrong. But I don't think this really does very much to LeBron's legacy. And I'll tell you why. And that's because this one extra title and one extra finals MVP, it still doesn't really move the needle for, I think, anybody. You know, going into the series, going into the season, and even now, if you thought LeBron James was the greatest player of all time, you thought that already. And if you didn't think he was the greatest player of all time, You still think that now. So it kind of doesn't really change anything for anybody when it comes to how great LeBron is. I think most rational NBA fans would at least be able to say that he is at least the second best player. And I think that pretty much is the consensus. So if you already think he's second best, it kind of doesn't do anything if he just wins the championship. He already is all the way up there 
as one of the greatest players, and it just doesn't get you any closer to Michael Jordan, really, because you were kind of supposed to win, and you played a Heat team that wasn't so competitive. They lost some of their better players for some games in the series, and they were, in just in general, a fifth seed. So it's not like he was able to come back from another 3-1 lead or do something that when one title would, would give him so much of an edge. It just... It was sort of a generic championship win, as kind of weird as that sounds. And also, you forget about the last dance that was on for like a month and a half, and that may have swayed people to think MJ is better. I mean, it definitely opened more people's eyes, including us, who never saw MJ play. So, yeah, I totally agree. I don't think it moves the needle enough. I mean, I said it's funny. I said if he three-peats the Lakers, maybe I can call him the GOAT. But that's two more titles. He's getting up there in age. I mean, he's not slowing down, but... Can this team win two straight titles, two more straight titles? I don't know. There's going to be the Clippers next year. There's going to be the Warriors. There's going to be teams improving in the offseason. It's going to be tougher. But, yeah, LeBron, I, he, he's, he hasn't moved that much for me. He's still second all time. Yeah, I, I, we have to clarify, I think, why we dislike LeBron James. And it's not really because of LeBron himself. It, I mean, we, both, both of us think that off the court – you know, he's definitely, he could be the greatest off-the-court athlete of all time. I think he has a better case for that than he does for his on-the-court performance just because of everything he does charity-wise and he built the school in his home state and everything that he's done. Uh, definitely with using his platform, I don't think any other major athlete uses their platform like LeBron James does, and I definitely give him credit for everything he's been able to accomplish. But when it comes to on-the-court, the thing that we dislike about him the most is LeBron James fans. And I think that him winning the championship this year definitely amplifies the sort of cancerous LeBron James, you know, follow him wherever he goes, latch onto the team and hype up the terrible role players that are on the team. Like part of the reason, the reason why the Alex Caruso hype exists and people like Dwight Howard and, and Rondo is because, LeBron is there and because the attention that he brings it sort of gets evenly spread out to the other not so good players on the team and it just becomes annoying and I mean there's a reason why the Cleveland Cavaliers have 11 million followers on Instagram still and it's not because they have 11 million fans it's because LeBron James brought attention to that team and to that franchise and when he left he just left the shell of what all the attention was and it's frustrating for somebody who definitely who doesn't necessarily like LeBron but who also is a fan of an actual team and is a fan of the league in general uh I guess it's just sort of annoying when you see people who just don't seem to care very much about anything other than this one guy and they just don't have any loyalty to anything except for where this dude goes and it's just frustrating but I don't know maybe that's just my problem Pretty crazy. He mentioned all that, how people follow LeBron everywhere. He's probably the most talked about athlete of all time, if you really think about it. I mean, he grew up playing in the social media era. I think there's literally someone tweeting about him every hour of the day, every single day for the past 17 years. Skip Skip's one of them. He talks to him daily, but besides him, everyone, like LeBron James is a phenomenon. He's everywhere on social media. Everyone criticizes him every day. Where We criticize him. People praise him. He just has the biggest fan base like, of all time. I mean, people are, we're sort of getting tired of maybe LeBron since we've seen him play in what, like, we've played like nine finals now. 
well, 10 total, 10. but 10 total. It's just crazy. And if you think about it, Will, he honestly exceeded all the expectations he was given coming into the NBA. I mean, in high school, I remember I saw this thing on Twitter the other day. Uh, it was uh, an ad before the Oak Hill, when LeBron was facing Oak Hill in 2002 in his senior year of high school. The the commercial before the ad was like they were showing all the legends off like magic larry michael and all those great players talking about them and they're like lebron is the next that's crazy to me how he was in that they were already comparing all-time greats top five players of all time to a high school student high school player and he exceeded them he, he brought championship to cleveland he has four rings and he's a consensus top two player of all time isn't that crazy how he actually lived up to all his expectations. I know Zion, he's, he's the only person recently who has had crazy expectations. Some people think he's the next LeBron. I don't think so, but just all the pressure on LeBron. I mean, he's answered every question. I mean, he lost six finals, but he's brought four. He brought one to his home state. He made the Cavs relevant. It's just crazy how he's done so much, and he brought back to the community. He's probably one of the most, he's the most, one of the most successful athletes of all time, and they were putting this burden on him since day one and he succeeded everything i think yeah and that's where the goat conversation it, it kind of gets tired for me and i know i mean we bring it up i mean we're, we're interested in having it today but he's already done so much i mean he already again as i said uh, a couple minutes ago going into the year coming out of this championship is the consensus second best player of all time like second best I know for somebody who's a champion like LeBron and who's accomplished so, so much, you know, they want to be recognized as the greatest. But for everybody else, I mean, how, how disrespectful is it to call him number two, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter that much, I think, to me. I mean, even if you want to call him the greatest, I think that Jordan, I mean, obviously we never got to experience him firsthand, really. But I just think the way that, he sort of just dominated the league. LeBron kind of has never done that. He sort of just goes year by year. I mean, he's always he's always in the finals, but he he has not always been able to win, you know, every single time. So I guess that sort of is a knock, but yeah, I mean, he's already done so much and that's where it's interesting to me to hear, you know, him after the game, he says things like, you know, I want my damn respect too. And he's like he, it's like a planned line. He's like listing off like Vogel wants his respect and, and Rob Polinka and the Lakers want their respect and I want my respect. It's like he rehearsed it ahead of time, but, but a lot of people love LeBron. Like who, yeah. Who, who is he disrespecting? I mean, does he who really that care that if, if Skip Bayless or Will Swanky or like random people like end up disrespecting him for one aspect of something like you can't really disrespect LeBron. I mean, I, I said before that he is, probably the greatest off the court athlete like everything he's done for his career just as a public figure is really significant so am i really disrespecting him by saying he's the second best on the court basketball player like i don't think that's disrespect i don't think anybody says that he's you know outside the top 10 or or like any nonsense like that i think people respect him enough to call him the second greatest and whether they whether you change their mind or not uh, they're definitely not disrespecting you by saying that. Can we talk about how everyone was praising Jeannie Buss 
for for like making bringing this team back from the dead i mean she really if you really think about it she really didn't do much i mean it was more just lebron just wanted to come here yeah i mean, I mean when you, you sign lebron the, that's kind of all the, you need to do and, and people said magic did that but if you think about it, well the lakers were a train wreck for eight years after kobe retired well not retired but like since 2012 they were a train wreck until lebron showed up yeah, in even when he was there yeah, Lonzo was the second pick. They ended up trading him. They had three straight second picks. They had Ingram, Lonzo, and they also had Randall one year. Like, Jeannie Buss had nothing to do with this. It's just LeBron was just destined to become a Laker. He chose it. And then the Pelicans, um, they, they got they, – AD didn't want to play for them anymore, and the Lakers made a move. Plank could give up like 100 picks and, and a, a good enough core of players that the Pelicans were interested in. It was more just – LeBron just really saved this franchise. This franchise would still be awful if LeBron didn't show up in 2018. So I don't know why she's getting so much credit, but there's that. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the Lakers, just by being the Lakers and by falling into the brand. a player like LeBron, that, that just fixes your problems. I mean, AD is not going to go there or ask for a trade and put the Lakers on his list if LeBron isn't there. I don't think the Lakers trade for him if LeBron isn't there. I mean, no, I guess he of course be, not. I guess he would be the number one player on their team, but they gave up everything that they gave up was because they are mortgaging their future to win the championship now, and they accomplished that. So they probably wouldn't have done that if if LeBron wasn't there. So they just got lucky that he ended up choosing them. And you know who knows what what happened if he goes somewhere else or stays in Cleveland. I, I think they definitely are still bad right now. Remember the Lakers of summer 2016? They signed Luel Dang and Mozgov to like 50 million each. Like the Lakers were basically bottom tier, like the Knicks the past couple of years. And then LeBron, he wants to make movies. He wants to live in LA with his family. He shows up and, and saves them. So it really wasn't the front office, but I guess we will we'll give credit to Palenka for pulling the trigger on the AD trade. I mean, but he, that was one of the only teams he would have went to anyway. It's not like the Knicks were going to make a move or had enough assets to get him. The, James Dolan didn't even want to sign Kevin Durant. So, what <laughs> makes you think he's going to? What makes you think he's going to get Anthony Davis? So the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, they were just the only team out there, and they had enough assets. They gave up five picks and a bunch of comp, competent players. The Lakers and Knicks were were so bad for the same stretch, and the the Lakers got LeBron and they traded for Davis. And then the Knicks were supposed to get Duran and Irving, and it was supposed to be the revival of of the seventies Lakers Knicks, you know, championships, <laughs> and uh, that did not work. At least one team was successful, and it was not the Knicks. Yeah, it's funny how all the finals ratings were so low and stuff. Maybe because the bubble and too many sports on. I mean, Game Six was on at the same time as as the NFL Sunday night game, and I mean, we're not we're at big NBA fans, but. This was the first finals like in my lifetime that I really wasn't interested in at all. And it's crazy to think that because the Warriors and Cavs every year, like everybody thought the Warriors were going to win every time. They were the much better team sometimes. But I don't know. I still watched every game. Maybe because there's more stars on the court. Maybe I don't care about like Jimmy Butler or, or Goran Dragic on the Heat. But I don't know. I mean, if, if would anyone watch a Brooklyn Nets Clippers final next year? Like, would that be worse ratings? There's no fans of those teams. <laughs> Yeah, we, we've spoken about why the finals have, have been struggling in a couple of episodes. I, I think it's a combination of the time of the year. I mean, we're talking about it. They're playing on the same day as Sunday Night Football. The NBA never has its best product on the same day as football. I mean, how many weeks does the NFL overlap with the NBA? Like 10 weeks, and it's an all-regular season 
you know, beginning of the year games. It's never the NBA finals. So when we're watching it in the summer, it's kind of just the middle of baseball season. We aren't really that interested. And the NBA is like the biggest thing on. So that, that's part of the reason, I think, just the time of the year difference. Um, probably the, the politics too, like all the Black Lives Matter stuff. A lot of people don't like that. And that's not a reason why we wouldn't watch, but I guess it does play a part for some people. And probably just sports fatigue. I mean, all these things are overlapping. It, the bubble, they didn't just jump right into the playoffs. They played scrimmage yeah. games that didn't even count before regular season games to make teams qualify for the playoffs to just to do the playoffs. So maybe that was a failed strategy by them. Maybe they needed to just go right to the postseason right away and everything's crazy and there's all these upsets and that probably would have added a lot more to what was the a bubble that probably also played a factor that people didn't really like. So yeah, that might've been a mistake to, to delay it longer and to have those regular season games and not just jump right in. But uh, yeah, it's it definitely, they took a hit ratings wise and we'll see if they can come back. I mean, they should be playing probably in the summer next year. So it'll be back to normal, at least a little bit. Yeah. And we should also give Adam Silver and the whole NBA staff a, a, number, a, new, uh, a large number of credit for putting together the bubble. I mean, there was no, there's no cases ever. Nothing ever shattered in this bubble or anything. <laughs> like it we saw pop. baseball. They were, no, it never popped. And it's awesome. They actually finished the whole season. I really didn't care that much about the regular season games in the beginning, but they got to the playoffs. They really did their business, and we came out with a champion. There's a lot of obstacles in the bubble with the Jacob Blake situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin. All of the teams didn't want to play for a few days. Maybe the season would have ended, but everyone realized they had to get back to work and, and do their thing and put out and be, be such a great platform like most of these role NBA players are. They're great role models, especially LeBron. A lot of obstacles, but... Lakers overcame them that they were this champion doesn't have an asterisk in my opinion yeah they overcame a lot of adversity going in and like you said the season could have ended right then and there I mean LeBron and AD and the Lakers voted to not continue to play I mean they were ready to walk away uh, they were one of the only teams to, uh, to, to vote that so uh, yeah they ended up coming back everything was fine they had to adhere to all the health policies that the NBA put in place. Uh, they had no cases, so the teams definitely did a good job uh, maintaining that. And uh, yeah, we reached the end of the year. It'll be a couple of months before we get any live basketball, and who knows uh, wh where that will be. I mean, will there be fans when we come back to basketball, whether it's in January or February? I don't know. We're going to have to see uh, what ends up taking place uh, until then. So I don't know. We'll see. What do you think about Stephen A saying that Le this is LeBron's most challenging title? Do you think that he's referring to all the the social things and, and to Corona and all that stuff as reasons why? Or do you think he's speaking solely about the competition he had to go up against? Well, the competition, if he's talking about the competition, that wasn't very challenging. I mean, the Blazers, <laughs> they were a good eighth seed, but they were never going to beat the Lakers. They were, they were a negative team, and the Rockets. I mean, do we we never. I don't think anyone ever thought James Harden Westbrook would be able to beat LeBron AD in a playoff series, and he got lucky. He didn't have to face the Clippers. The Clippers may have been the one team that have, could have been the Lakers. We talked about it all throughout the year, but 
he had to face the Nuggets, a team of all 23-year-olds that maybe exceeded their expectations this season by getting to the Western Conference Finals. And then he never had to face uh, maybe the Raptors that always gave LeBron's teams trouble or the Lakers trouble at least this season. He didn't have to face Milwaukee with Giannis in the MVP. He had to face the 5C Miami Heat. And the best player, I mean, Jimmy Buller is a nice player, but he's not a top five or top ten player. I mean, so Steve Nay is referring to that. It was probably his easiest championship path, if you think about it. Maybe with those, maybe with coronavirus and stuff, but he's 35 years old and he was off for three months, four months, and he's rich enough to have his own gym and work out. He still works on his body every single day. I mean, uh, this was a pretty easy championship. And the veterans, not just him, but his team has a lot of veterans like Rondo, Dwight. They needed this time off. I mean, they were sort of getting burnt out towards the end of March, the end of the regular season. So this is refreshing for the Lakers. They locked in, won the championship. So I don't think it was his most challenging title, but it's probably his easiest title if I actually had to say. I think it's his easiest title. I mean, you only, he doesn't have to travel anywhere for, for he doesn't, all the series. Yeah. For and there's no the fans. Like, there's no right. There's crowd no hostile advantage. environment to play in. It's just... Yeah, and the competition, I mean, if he, he didn't even have to face a team like the Mavs or a team like the Clippers. We all thought he was going to play them in the Western Conference Finals. Never had to go up against them. So, And then he doesn't have to face the MVP and Giannis when he reaches the Finals. So I really I don't see how when you're looking at strictly competition and even with the circumstances of not traveling, not having to worry about playing on the road, anything like that, uh, I think it definitely ends up being his easiest title. Yeah, and we should also talk about some of the Lakers role players that actually got a ring. Dwight Howard, I actually I completely forgot he was actually on the Lakers like seven years ago with Nash and that failed Kobe team. Now he's back on them. He wins a title in Orlando. The funny as that sounds, they won it in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he is a future Hall of Famer no matter what. I mean, it's very easy, very soft NBA Hall of Fame, so he'll get it. And this ring doesn't do anything for his legacy really, though. But no. We so Rondo, the first player ever to win a ring with the Celtics and the Lakers. So that's interesting. Sort of crossing paths, rivalry, Boston-LA rivalry. But And Jared Smith, uh, two-time champ. He has as many rings as the Knicks franchise. <laughs> he won both tail end following LeBron somewhere and winning a championship. He won with Cleveland. Yeah, he's just like a LeBron fan. Um, he just leeches it, onto LeBron. It was funny. And... He was the first... It was funny. He was the first one to touch the trophy or whatever. That's what I heard. He like grabbed the trophy first before like LeBron or anyone else. Like, what, why? What did he do? Nothing. No, hold on. I'm nothing. serious. Nothing. By the way, not even. <laughs> he played five he minutes in the entire play. finals. I know. Yeah, Kuzma. Kuz, the petition did not work. He is going to get a ring. <laughs> so he, out of Lonzo and Ingram, he is the first one of those people to get a ring. Caruso is an NBA champion. Just all the. The Lakers hype beast players end up getting rings, which is definitely frustrating. All right, well, the NBA season wrapped up. It's going to be a, quite a while until we get new basketball. We're going to get some still going on. We're going to be doing some maybe free agency and draft stuff in the next couple of months and season preview whenever that rolls around. But yeah, it was a, it was I would say it was a, it was a solid twenty twenty NBA season. Not the end result like we wanted, and obviously the, the bubble. We never wanted this to happen with Corona, this horrible year. But congrats to the Lakers; they got through and got it done. Sports still going through its postseason, and they're going to be entering a little bit of a bubble uh, as we move on here. The MLB and uh, my Yankees. We talked about it on 
the Friday episode last week that they were in a pivotal game against the Rays and they lost a pitching duel. It was two to one. The narrative for Brousseau, he hit the game-winning home run off Chapman, who obviously threw at his head uh, you know, a few months ago. He got the revenge at bat. It was a crazy at bat, 10 pitches. And, of course, he hits a home run. So my Yankee season ends right then and there. Garrett Cole, he pitched a great game on short rest, but he did have one mistake, the home run. Obviously, this loss isn't on him. I mean, they wouldn't even be anywhere close to this position without him. But his first year kind of goes to waste. And I would say, you know, there's all this talk going into the year. Aaron Judge says, if we don't win the World Series, this season is a failure. I think the season is a failure. I think he's right. (laughs) They didn't even even reach the ALCS. They would have went up against the Astros. That would have been exciting. Just for my own entertainment, I would have loved to see that. But... Another disappointing year as a Yankees fan going to the year expecting to win a World Series. I mean, look, I'm I have only been alive for one Yankees title, which is very sad. They have 26 titles or whatever, 27. They have 26 titles before me and only one as I've been a fan. So it is very disappointing. The curse. I'm part of the era of Yankees fans that feels like they're just a regular normal franchise with no success. They just have one ring. Like, yeah, they are. <laughs> that's, that's just how it is. I mean, if, Top I, was, two. if I was older, <laughs> Top I would have watched payroll. You know, five titles. Top two highest payroll. And now you lose to a $50 million payroll. The Rays, they out-analytic to you guys. Hap came in game two. I don't know why um, Boone decided to listen and... and take out Garcia that was made that kind of cost him the series. That's what Michael K was alluding to on, on the K show. They had to use their bullpen in a lot of these games where they really didn't. And Jay Hab didn't even sign off on that idea to come in after Garcia. I mean, he didn't even want to do it. And you saw he shit the bed and had to go to bullpen a lot more than they really should have the Yankees. And they also had a thin bullpen this year. I mean, Kane Lee was out. Chad Green couldn't pitch every game either. I mean, every game, there was a new game every day, so it was tough for the Yankees. But, um, yeah, you made fun of the Rays lineup. You said you weren't scared of them. Well, they beat you guys. So what do you have to say to that? The Tampa Bay Rays, and they're, they're currently up 3-0 against the Astros. So can the Rays win at all? Yeah, it's sad. I mean, the Yankees and the Rays are two of the most analytic teams in baseball, and the Rays prove that analytics – works i mean people there's people that scream all day yankees fans that hate aaron boone and hate analytics and look i I have never been an aaron boone fan i I definitely like joe girardi a lot i wish they never fired him uh but you know none of this is aaron boone's fault i don't think you can definitely pin anything like that on him no and i don't even know if it's analytics fault because the dodgers use analytics every baseball team heavily uses analytics in 2020 especially the rays who won the series so they're getting things done without an expensive lineup. The Yankees, like you mentioned, have a much higher payroll, and they just couldn't get it done. I mean, game two, I mean, that's definitely clown show to bring in half after Garcia gives you the opener one inning. I mean, he gave up the home run, but he was coming out no matter what. That's definitely a mistake. Half pitched horribly. I, I guess he just had, has had his rhythm thrown off by coming out of the bullpen, something he's never done. So, yeah, I, I don't know really where the Yankees stand. Either they're paying a lot of money for great players or 
they're doing analytics and they're doing both and neither one seems to be working out for them. Both their, their high paid players and their decisions made by the numbers. Neither of them seems to be benefiting the team, only hurting them. So I don't know where they go from here. They have LeMahieu uh, as a free agent. He's their most important player, really. If you look at the immediate success for their team, they need him to be there to lead off and to give you those old school at-bats where he still gets base hits and doesn't just hit a home run every time or strike out. And you have two pitchers in Paxton and Tanaka who are both free agents. And if you lose both of them and don't replace them with anyone, uh, this line, this rotation is going to be even worse off than it already has been. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if you're the Yankees, you want to spend more money on people because their, their high quality payroll isn't even working. So kind of at a crossroads if you're the Yankees you kind of don't know where to go you kind of just have to run it back it's like the Clippers like you just have the same roster Russell's run it back you just have to do it again and yeah. see what happens and you know what I just realized about DJ LeMahieu when I watched him play these playoffs his bat is massive like it's like the longest bat I've seen out of anyone in the MLB <laughs> like no wonder why he gets so many hits but anyways the Yankees have a lot of decisions to make this offseason LeMayo is probably going to command like $25 million. Do you think that's, do you think they have to get him? Like I, I, he probably was their best player. So you probably have to pay that. Unfortunately, even though he's 32 and he'll be 36. Like if you sign him for four years, when that contract's up, is DJ going to be the same player every year? I don't know. Is 25 million. I mean, they also got to pay Paxton. They got to pay some of these players. Aaron judge is going to command money eventually. I know, and it's it's stressful. I mean, I don't know what you do with him because he's injury-prone, it seems like, and when he is ready for a big deal, he's going to get command one of the biggest contracts in the MLB. So you're going to have to give a guy who's the face of your franchise all the money, I would assume. I don't think they would not re-sign him and let him go somewhere else. But in the case of LeMahieu, I feel like you have to give him what he asks for. I just... He's too consistent. What he offers you on defense, uh, he's one of the better uh, defensive infielders in the MLB. He is the batting champion in the AL. Uh, you know, that's a guy who deserves over $20 million a year. I know his age and everything, and the Yankees already spend a lot of money, but for a player like that, uh, I think he definitely is worth it. Yeah, he was the best player on the team stand, sort of exploded in the postseason, but... I mean, the Yankees, they're just not, they haven't been clutched. They just can't score runs in big games. We've seen it for the past three years. They beat up on the bad teams like the Orioles. I mean, they beat up on the Indians once again, the playoffs. Like the Yankees, it's just too inconsistent, the offense. Like they score 11 runs against the Indians pitching. We're like, wow, this team looks unstoppable. And then they lay eggs against the Rays for a few games. They lay an egg. They they score one run in a must win game. One run is not going to get you to win a must win game with your ace on the mound. He needs more than one run. You can't. Yeah, well, Garrett Cole really, cannot give up zero runs every start in a big game. That was That's the only hard. game they didn't score a lot. I mean, game one, they blew them out. Whatever the score was, like twelve to three, they scored twelve runs. Game two was just a disaster defensively, but they still scored like five runs. It was seven to five or eight to five or whatever the final score was. Game three, they won. Uh, or no, they lost game three. Game three, yeah, game three was very similar to game two. They lost. They lost eight four. Yeah, and then. Game four, they, they they won. They won like five to one or four to one. So they didn't really, they, their inconsistency really wasn't offensively. I mean, they scored at least four runs in every game, 
until the last game. And it was a two to one victory. And so you gotta score runs in the last game. <laughs> the winner take all game. Chapman blew yeah. it. I mean he, he's been he's been blowing games recently. Is, is he really the best closer in baseball? Right. He probably isn't. And he's under contract for I think two more years, so he's gonna be sticking around. I mean, like I said, you just have to run it back. It's the same team. Chapman, he's he's good enough to still be a closer. I don't think you'd give up on him, but he's given up some of the biggest home runs of his career in huge moments. I mean, the game-winning home run by Altuve last year, I mean, who knows if he knew the pitch was coming, but he, he still ended up getting a hit off him. And then to Brousseau this year, it's his fault. Back-to-back years, it ends their season, so... Not much you could do about it. I think you just have to bring back the players that you have and do it again. Yeah, there's not, there's not much leeway, especially with, with the payroll there. My Mets, on the other hand, we're going to be spending this offseason, hopefully. Trevor Bowers on the market. We could use him. We could use some free agents. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll steal LeMahieu from the Yankees if we throw him $25 million. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Sucano's up there in age. I mean, why not get DJ LeMahieu? He'll stay in New York, just go to a nicer-looking ballpark. Better fans. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say better fans. No fans. <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep tabs on baseball. The World Series is coming up with fans. Wait, wait, wait. We wait, 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 talk about the Dodgers. Well, okay. they, are, they are the biggest... They are even more of choke artists in the Yankees. They're down 2-0 to the Braves. And they look like far and away the best team of baseball this year. What's going on with the Dodgers? Is it going to be Braves Rays? I mean, nobody would ever watch a Braves Rays World Series. I know I wouldn't. <laughs> and we talked about that going into the year. If the teams that were supposed to make it made it, nobody would complain about a 60-game season. But if it's really Braves Rays or something like that, I think people would say that this year really doesn't mean that much because this isn't a World Series that people necessarily thought would happen. And would it happen in a, in a long season? Um, you know, maybe the Rays and Braves aren't horrible. It's not, you know, a bottom-of-the-barrel team making it, but it's definitely a discussion that's worth having. But, yeah, the, the Dodgers, you really can't lose when you have teams like the Braves and the Rays and the Astros, the cheater Astros. Everybody wants to see you beat them. They're, they're choking harder than the Yankees because they were so great in the regular season. They were the number one seed. So, yeah, we'll see if they're able baseball. to bounce back. The series is not over for them, but it is definitely anyone's, anyone's game up to this point. All right, well, we will keep tabs on the MLB season. There will be fans at the World Series, so things are starting to come together, get a little bit back to normal for them. Uh, but we're going to close out the show here with uh, recapping last week in the NFL and previewing this week, we'll sort of do it all at once, and then we'll give you the fantasy features, everything we do uh, every single week. So we'll start off here. Last week, Seahawks and Vikings, the dramatic ending, disappointing for me. But, of course, <laughs> the Vikings ended up losing a one-point game, 27-26 to 26, in Seattle. Um, they blew the lead. I mean, look, if I'm, if I'm going to take anything out of this game, the Vikings were competitive with Seattle. Their defense looked great in the first half. They were able to lock down. Uh, some of the best receivers through the first couple of weeks here, but the end result, obviously not something that I wanted. And now we have no Dalvin Cook for one week. I mean, they say he's going to be fine, but going up against Atlanta, we don't really need our full team, but you know, something to keep an eye on as we go forward, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks just 
I mean, that's what happens when you have the MVP, the future MVP on your team. You make plays, the fourth and ten, the Metcalf. I can't believe they sent all out blitz, this Vikings, and he still completed that pass. And Metcalf caught a clutch touchdown, fourth and goal. So DK's really solidifying himself as one of the best receivers in the game. And that's what happens. You can't you can't take your foot off the gas. And the Vikings, I mean, Kirk fumbled and threw a pick back to possessions. You can't let that happen and give Russell Wilson short field position the score. It was 13-0, and then it was 21-13 in the blink of an eye. So that was really bad. But, I mean, yeah, you got to take some positives. The Vikings played well. I mean, I don't know if they'll win the division, but they definitely they look better than the Bears recently. So their, their cornerbacks, who, we, who I made fun of all season, they actually played pretty well this game. I mean, the run game looked amazing. I mean, honestly, the fourth and – the fourth and inches called out the goal line. I probably would have went for it. I mean, you might as well just try to end the game. I mean, you had, they were running it well all night. So, I mean, you got to be aggressive. When you're one and four, you, you got to try winning the game. You got to be aggressive there. That's what I would do. I think I, w- I wouldn't fault Zimmer. Just the end result wasn't good. They were getting a first down like every other play with a run. So, just one play, they got stuffed. And I guess that was the, the outcome of the game that they ended up losing on the final drive. And that's why it's so frustrating. I mean, we had the three turnovers from Kirk. I mean, okay, I guess only really two because the one fumble at the end of the game was, first of all, it was fake. And then second of all, it didn't really matter. But we had those mistakes made. I mean, it wasn't really a mistake, the interception. I think KJ Wright just made an unbelievable interception. But we we had, we blew the lead 21 to 13, scored back-to-back touchdowns in the second half to uh, – take a five-point lead, get all the way down to a fourth and inches. You're running the ball phenomenally every single drive, every single possession. And then the one biggest run of the game, you have to go two inches. And it can't be an easy first down. I mean, how is that even possible? (laughs) I guess credit to the Seahawks defense for making the big play, but that's just that's unbelievable that they were so successful on the ground. You have to get an easy first down that ends the game. I mean, you just beat an undefeated team, one of the best teams in the league, and they they just choke and can't get it. And then you get Russell Wilson has to go 95 yards. I had no doubt that they, they were going to score a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> and you get them on two fourth downs, one in the middle of the field, and then one, it's fourth and goal. You just have to keep them out of the end zone, and you can't even do that. So just, uh, if I don't fault Zimmer either. I would have went for... It on fourth and inches. Uh, people are saying he should be fired. I definitely disagree. He's definitely too good of a coach to just get rid of him like that after a decision that isn't really that even controversial. But the execution by the defense on that last possession is terrible. I mean, they had two opportunities to end the game. They have to go basically the whole length of the field, and they can't even get those stops. So if we're going to fault them or him or for anything like that, uh, it definitely is the last play execution. Not uh, not up to par for what you're known for, which is a good defense. I mean, I think this was the best Vikings uh, game. I think this is the best game the Vikings played in the entire season, even though they didn't win. I mean, the, they play, I, you could say they played better against the Texans because they actually ended up winning, but both sides of the ball were clicking. This was the first game, I'd say, where the run game was working, the pass was working, and their defense was actually getting pressure on the quarterback and doing what they're supposed to do. So I think that's a positive you take from the Vikings game but the story of the Seahawks defense I mean they haven't been good this year but they're making the big plays in the fourth quarter and the games and that's what you need to happen 
I mean, they stopped Cam on a fourth and goal run. Remember week on that Sunday night game, they stuffed him. They stuffed Madison on that fourth and inches. And they picked off Dak when he was almost in the red zone, driving down the field to tie the game. They used to come up. Seahawks have been just coming up with clutch plays on defense to seal games. So that's good news for them. Jamal didn't even play in that game. So hopefully it'll be – they have a bye week six, and then he'll be back hopefully for the next game against Arizona. We have the Vikings. They play the Falcons next week. That should be a pretty easy game. I mean, if the Vikings just continue to play like the, this, except for blowing – except for giving a touchdown, down the last drive, they'll be a fine team. Maybe find themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, it's so frustrating. They should have beaten the Titans. They lost that game by one, and then they, they lost, lost this game, by, game one. by one against one of the best teams. So realistically, they could have been three and two going into a game against a winless team, and they just beat an, an outstanding team. So the conversation surrounding Minnesota could have been a lot different after their sort of difficult start. Uh, it could have been great right now, but instead. They only have one win, so we'll see uh, how they continue to do moving on. All right, how about a couple of important games from last week? The Giants and the Cowboys. The Giants go on this week to face the Washington football team, the Cowboys. They're going to have to get used to life without Dak, and obviously, you know, we are, are saddened by the Dak injury. He is up for contract at the end of this year. We hope that he can end up getting you know the big money that he definitely deserves he looked like he was on his way to being one of the best quarterbacks this year I mean his his yardage pace and everything that they were doing on offense was outstanding and it was definitely mainly because of him so I picked him as my MVP to start the year I don't know if he would have won it I think Wilson probably is playing better than him but he definitely was on a tear in this early part of the season and just to see him go down the dramatic way that he did. It's a, it's a long-term injury. So hopefully he can come back and uh, get the money that he probably deserves for being a, a franchise quarterback for the Cowboys for a while. But the Cowboys, they now have Andy Dalton as their starter. They go up against the Cardinals on Monday night. They're in first in the division. There's the good news. But uh, Andy Dalton, he's a decent starter. This will definitely hurt the fantasy value of Amari Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb. Their off-passing offense will not be as good. Maybe Zeke will go up in value because they'll run the ball more and dump it off to him more because they probably don't want Dalton taking that many shots down the field. But really unfortunate. But I think we should start with the Giants' side. This is a good positive for the Giants because, I mean, they almost beat the Rams on the road. They played a good defensive game. And they were coming up with trick plays. Joe Judge, I mean, they did a fake field goal. It was called back because of a legal shift. But you could see Joe Judge is sort of molding this team into something. I mean, they played hard the last couple of weeks. I know they're 0-5. They don't have that much talent. But they're finding ways to stay in these games. And Adam Gase would never do a fake field goal or any kind of trick play. They're doing runs with Evan Ingram, the tight end. So Joe Judge, make, they're playing hard every game. They, may have, they, sh- they could have won this game. They were in the game the whole time. They got, even got a pick six off of Dak. So... Yeah, there's some positive takeaway if you're a Giants fan. They're definitely trending in the right direction, I believe. Yeah, they have been competitive these past few games. They only lost uh, to the Bears by four. They lost uh, you know, a really slow-paced, uh, frustrating game to the, to the Rams, and then they ended up going up against Dallas and only losing by three. The offense kind of got unlocked this week, 34-37, to a very high-scoring game. I mean, I know the Cowboys' defense is pretty bad, but that's been the problem for the Giants so far. 
they haven't been able to score any points, and they scored 35 points basically this week. So good for them. They're definitely on their way to improvement. There's definitely positives if you're a Giants fan you could look at and still enjoy your games as opposed to the Jets, who we're going to get into in a second. Uh, they continue to get worse. But to the Giants, the story of this game for them, if you're going to you know, pick something that you don't like, is Daniel Fumble Jones. He That fumble six is the reason why they lost. I mean, they, he continues to have that trend of not being able to take care of the ball, and that's why they weren't able to win this game. He is a fumbling problem, and the Giants, they actually are the worst team. I mean, Jets, Falcons, Giants are all 0-5. The Giants actually have the first pick right now, believe it or not. Falcons have two. Jets have three. But, I mean, the Giants are also a few plays away from probably being two and three. If you think about it, in that Rams and this Cowboys game, they they allowed uh, Gallup to make that crazy catch down the sideline. And then Greg Delight beat them with a field goal. So, but yeah, I mean, Joe Judge, I mean, it seems like he knows what he's doing. So, uh, I mean, he doesn't have much talent, but he's definitely coaching them better than McAdoo did or Shermer did the past couple of seasons. So, there's that. All right, how about somebody that has no idea what he's doing? Adam Gase and the New York Jets, they released Le'Veon Bell yesterday. And, I mean, wow. Like, uh, the, the coming into Bell's tenure with the Jets, they paid him only a million dollars more than the Steelers offered him. Uh, it was kind of interesting why he decided to go there and hold out just to go to the Jets for not really that much money, but... This was supposed to be an important player for, for Sam Darnold and the Jets. And either Darnold wasn't on the field when Bell was there or Bell wasn't on the field when Darnold was there, and now he's gone. So really just a complete waste of an opportunity when you get the guy who, coming into his uh, time with the Jets, was leading the league in scrimmage yards every year. And he gets to the Jets, he gets to Adam Gase, and... He ends up going to near the bottom of the league. So the offensive genius that is Adam Gates was not able to do anything with what was supposed to be one of the best running backs. Yeah, I mean, he kind of ruined his career. I mean, he, he should obviously just retire now. He got all that money. He just sit at home and relax. But it's funny how Jamal recruited Le'Veon to come here. Then Jamal wanted out. He tweeted his way <laughs> out. And then Le'Veon said he'll see week 14. When the Seahawks played the Jets, well, guess what? Now Le'Veon's gone. He tweeted his way out, and he got out. So now both gone. The Jets, all their best players, it's a circle there. Everyone just wants to leave. Jets definitely going downhill. The Giants are going uphill, though. That's that's the story of the New York teams, but they're combined 0-10. That is god-awful. Yeah, it is. And I would assume Adam Gase, he's going to stick around to tank the team, but at the end of the year, he will be gone. So, yeah, they lose Jamal Adams, they lose their head coach, and they lose Le'Veon Bell all in the same season. So that is pretty brutal if you're uh, the Jets. They're going to have to restart things. They might even lose Sam Darnold by the end of this whole thing. We don't even know what they're yeah, going to be doing there. Yeah, they, uh, they face the Dolphins at home this week. They are uh, plus nine and a half at home to the Miami Dolphins. So... That is not good. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah, I think <laughs> speaking of um speaking of firing people, the Falcons actually fired Dan Quinn after their loss to the Panthers and they fired their GM. So they're gonna need a whole new regime to fix the Falcons. Matt Ryan's probably on his last legs, maybe this year or next year. He's gonna be gone soon. That was the Falcons. I mean, if you have the second pick and the Giants end up with the first pick, they don't need a quarterback. I mean, 
they could fall into Trevor, Trevor Lawrence could fall into the, the Falcons' hands, and Trevor Lawrence is from Georgia. That's the funny part too. And he can instantly maybe make them better. I mean, they'll have Ridley still, have Julio. Those players aren't going anywhere. They'll have a great offense for Lawrence. Maybe you could sit him for a year to learn under Matt Ryan. That'd be a good person to learn under. So, yeah, if the, if the Jets and Giants don't want him, the Falcons, I mean, they're 0-5. The, they're they could really luck themselves into a great quarterback for the future. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because, like Sam Darnold, I mean, if a team trades for him, whether it's the Saints or even the Falcons, you bring them up, like, he is going to have an opportunity to play for with really great weapons. I mean, if he goes to the Saints... He's going to have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas right away, and it's going to be completely different for him uh, compared to the Jets. So if the Jets really are going to move on from him uh, and the Falcons don't get the first pick and can't take Lawrence, maybe they're a destination for him to to land, and maybe they should trade uh, like a future first-round pick or a second-round pick uh, to get him after this year. Maybe that'll really make a difference for him and them uh, going forward. Mm -hmm. He could be there. He could spend a year behind Matt Ryan if Ryan still sticks around. Maybe his career will completely turn around. All right, so looking ahead to week six, we're going to preview some of the week six games. We'll give you our fantasy features and flops and our, our three locks of the week. I went one and two last week. The Saints, they won the game, but they did not cover the eight against Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert looks awesome, and you went two and one. The Bengals screwed you. Joe Burrow got clobbered by that Ravens defense 27-3. to three. So you yeah, caught I thought to me. That they could... I thought that they could lose by less than 13, but that did not happen. Yeah, and that was the first game Joe Burrow did not cover in his NFL career. But anyways, looking ahead, this week's completely different than last week, Will, because a lot of these games, looking at the spreads here on our sheet, a lot of these games are not actually double-digit spreads in high numbers like last week where we had the plus, we had the 13, we had a 10-point spread, we had a bunch of 11s. We have a bunch of five or less games in... That's going to be interesting. So hopefully there are going to be a lot of great close games this week, according to Vegas. My number three pick will actually be the Vikings minus three and a half against the Falcons. And Falcons fired everyone. They're on five. Maybe the narrative, uh, they can win the game just like the Texans did last week. I picked them. But Vikings are desperate for a win. They're, going to, they're at home. This game is at the bank. They're going to be angry. They lost that game to the Seattle. Madison's going to play, and he's probably easily going to have over 100 yards in this game. Vikings are really desperate. They're more desperate than the Falcons, so they're going to win this game. My second pick, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Minus 9.5. It's funny how I mentioned there's a lot of short spreads, but I'm actually going with the Patriots minus 9.5. I mean, the Broncos, who the hell is their quarterback? The, the third-string guy? It's This game's in Foxborough. The Broncos put up many points. The Patriots should roll easy. They, they, they had a bye last week, basically, because of Rona. And is Cam going to be playing in this game, or is it going to be Hoyer? Probably will be Cam. I know he did practice uh, recently. But also for the Broncos, I think there's rumors that uh, Drew Locke will make his return, at least hopefully. I don't know, but Cam, if Cam's playing, I'm, it's definitely going to be the Patriots. They're going to steamroll them. So my side has my second pick. My final pick is the Giants minus 2.5 against the football team. And their Giants are going to get their first win here. This game's in MetLife, and they beat the football team twice last year. And this is a, going to be a great game, I think. Daniel Jones is going to play great. I mean, their defense, the, especially if Kyle Allen's playing, there's no way the football team ever wins with Kyle Allen at quarterback. So this line's pretty easy, two and a half. They should have to win by a field goal. The Giants should get their first win of the season. Expect them to put up points in this game.
All right, for well, for my number three pick, I'm going to align with you at least for one, and that's going to be the Vikings going up against Atlanta, the winless Falcons. I, I know Dalvin Cook is not active in this game. Madison stepped in for him against Seattle last week, and he looked great. So I don't think they'll necessarily take a step back uh, when it comes to their rushing attack. The Falcons, uh, they've just been horrendous. I know they fired Dan Quinn, so maybe it'll work. Maybe the firing the coach strategy it worked for the Texans last week. It, uh, it could work for the Falcons this week. Hopefully it will not. Uh, I am rooting for the Vikings. I am picking them as a minus three and a half. For my number two pick, I am going with the Titans. They have come off uh, a gigantic blowout against the Buffalo Bills. They really were able to neutralize Josh Allen in that offense. And they also put up 42 points. Ryan Tannehill has been outstanding this season as he was last year so i'm going to pick them as a minus three over the texans they were able to get their first win but they're going to have to play a pretty difficult opponent in the titans this week and for my last pick i'm going with the sunday night football game i am picking the rams a minus three and a half versus the niners niners just looked uh, terrible this uh this past week they benched garoppolo against the dolphins they could not get anything going on offense. They should look to bounce back a little bit here and be more effective, but I think the Rams are playing too well. Uh, they have a great defense, and it's going to be tough for the Niners to move the ball against this team. So I think the Rams are, are a minus three and a half. A lot of close spreads this week, as you said, so I think this could go either way. But We forgot to mention Jimmy G was the bona fide scrub of the week. He had 77 yards, two picks. He got benched. They got blown by the Dolphins, so that's not a good look for the 49ers offense. Super Bowl hungover, and if the Rams beat them, they're going to be two and four. They are going to be outside looking in on the playoffs. All right, how about we give our fancy features and flops now? Uh, my fancy feature is going to be Devontae Parker. Dolphins favored by nine and a half against the Jets. And it seems like every wide receiver one just cooks this Jets team. We saw Hopkins <laughs> do last week. And Fitz, Fitzpatrick has been playing really well. I mean, he went to San Francisco, had 360 yards. Devontae Parker caught a touchdown. He's been really good with Fitzpatrick, and this Dolphins offense has been pretty lethal. So he's going to be my feature of the week. He's going to do well against the Jets. What is yours, Will? Yeah, my fantasy feature is going to be David Montgomery going up against one of the last-ranked run defenses in the league against the Carolina Panthers. We saw Todd Gurley. He was able to break a long uh, you know, 40-plus yard run against him last week. He had two touchdowns. Montgomery's played well for the Bears. He's gotten involved in the passing game last week against Tampa Bay. He had a good fantasy week, even if he wasn't that effective actually in the game. So I, I think it's it's going to be pretty easy for him going up against a soft defense in Carolina. So uh, I think the Bears might continue to, to be effective, and David Montgomery is going to be my feature of the week. And for the flops of the week... I will go with Joe Burrow. I mean, he flopped last week against the Ravens, but there's some growing pains. He's going to go face the Colts, and the Colts' vicious defense and D-line. I mean, the Bengals can't block anyone. They're, they're not going to be able to block the Force Buckner in this game and the Colts' front seven. So it's going to be another bad game. Colts favored by eight. I was thinking of taking this as one of my locks of the week, but Philip Rivers also is not a good quarterback either. So... Could be closer, but I don't think Joe Burrow is going to have a particularly great game, so he's going to flop against the Colts. For my flop, I picked the Titans to be my lock of the week, and 
they definitely looked uh, phenomenal on defense against the Bills, and I, I think they're going to be able to continue that good defensive play, and that's why my flop of this week is David Johnson. He has not looked good really all year. Uh, he's done okay for fantasy. I mean, if you have him, uh, you're definitely not completely disappointed. He hasn't been awful, but I think this matchup against the Titans is not in his favor. Uh, we saw the Texans last week. They really opened things up in the passing game. Watson was connecting with Brandon Cooks a lot. He completely blew up, and obviously Will Fuller is still giving you consistent numbers uh, for a wide receiver. So I think they're going to have to lean into that passing game. I think the Titans will look to take a big lead over them, and David Johnson will not be able to get things going. Uh, the Titans locked up Devin Singletary and Yeldon this week, so I think that Johnson will continue to be shut down, and that is why he is my flop for this week. Yeah, great pick. I mean, I was thinking of picking the Titans with one of my locks, but who knows? I mean, Deshaun Watson's really good, and they can definitely score some points there. Well, all right, that has come to the close of this show. Thank you for listening to the Bonafide Scrubs podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. It helps us. And if, you're on, if we're also on Spotify, please follow us on there. And follow us on Instagram at the Bonafide Scrubs. We post content each and every day from the show. And we're on Twitter at Bonafide Scrubs. So we like tweeting and interacting with you guys live during games. So you could do that with us. And yeah, any last words, Will? Cleveland, this is for you. More of LA, this is for you. But yeah, they tied the Celtics in titles. All right. See ya. Peace.